Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Episode 30 of Crime Time for Monday, August 27th on FayObserver.com. Featuring Fabled Observer, police and crime reporter Nancy McCleary. I'm Sonny Jones. On the podcast, we'll look at issues involving crime, courts, and public safety, highlighting stories in the news and hearing from those involved. And a reminder, anyone we discuss who has been charged with a crime is presumed innocent until found guilty in a court of law. Let's get started. The man became known as the Ramsey Street Rapist. It was more than a decade ago that a series of sexual assaults terrorized North Fayetteville along the Ramsey Street Corridor. On Wednesday, Fayetteville Police Lieutenant John Summerdyke said they got their man. Yeah, I mean, we put a lot, we put a lot of time in these cases. Um, you know, I think for three years I've poured my heart and soul in, in these and a lot of our other cases too. I'm sorry. It's just, and um, yeah, I'm just glad we got the guy finally. Um, you know, again, this really proved, I think, here at the Fayetteville Police Department, I mean, we take all these cases seriously. All these cases are important to us. The, our victims are more important than are important to us. And we're going to do whatever it takes to get them justice. And this is just the beginning. I, mean, I know a lot of three years ago when we formed our cold case unit, I think some of you heard me say, stay tuned, more to come. And you know, we're, we're not even halfway through. And I'm going to say, leave, leave you again. Stay tuned. There's plenty more to come. It's just the beginning. Daryl Wayne Bowden of Linden was arrested Wednesday, August 22nd, on several charges related to the Ramsey Street rapes. These attacks took place between 2006 and 2008, involving six women, including a then 15-year-old. Bowden is in the Cumberland County Detention Center, where he's being held without bail. You know, Nancy, a, a lot of angles to talk about with this case. Let's start with the obvious question. How, after a decade, did police determine that Bowden was the man to charge? Well, Lieutenant Summerndike said that Bowden was identified using Para, Parabon Nanolab's snapshot genetic genealogy testing. It's the same type of testing that was used to identify the Golden State Killer. That's a long name, certainly. 72-year-old former police officer Joseph James D'Angelo was dubbed the Golden State Killer, for those that don't remember. He was arrested in April after police say he committed at least 50 rapes and 12 murders in California. Some of those cases dated back 40 years. Now, in the Fayetteville case, Bowden had some legal issues over the years, but it was before suspects had to submit DNA samples, so nothing was on file for him. However, Parabon Nanolabs was able to make a connection through genealogy testing of family members, if I understand that correctly. Well, that's correct, and um, this DNA testing has become extremely popular recently because of Ancestry.com and 123DNA testing. Uh, all you do is, is buy a kit or you know have it shipped to your house. You submit a mouth swab or um, a saliva uh, sample and then you send it back and you wait and then they'll contact you and you have your results and 
um, you're notified in some of these you're notified on a website when they have discovered people who are somewhat related to you um, I actually did this for um, ancestry and um, you know it was telling me third fourth cousins yeah. and people like a that a lot of people do it a lot of people do it um, in so police submitted DNA um, from the crime scenes in this case to Parabon Nanolabs which located the family um, match a, a family member and from there it was narrowed down to mr Bowden. just just amazing now as for the six victims it it must give them some feeling of comfort that Bowden has been charged or at least as much as uh, possible for them to feel some comfort you've had the opportunity to speak with some of the victims tell us about that well i've spoken with three victims and all of them had pretty much given up hope that an arrest would be made after 10 years Each of them was pleasantly surprised, to say the least, to receive a text from Lieutenant Summerndike on Wednesday morning. The message was the same to each. We got him. All of the the victims that I spoke with said a tremendous load had been lifted off of their shoulders. I can certainly imagine. Now, as for Bowden, his family and friends say that the man they know would not commit the crimes. They say he is known to help out people in need, even buying a child a video gaming system as a Christmas gift after learning that the boy's mother could not afford it. Bowden grew up in the Linden area and attended Pine Forest High School. Bowden's arrest is another one made by the Fayetteville Police Department's Special Victims Unit. A backlog of rape kits continue to be tested, and Lieutenant Summerndike says he expects more cases to be solved. Cumberland County District Attorney Billy West said that he hopes the arrest sends a message to criminals and the community. But as we now move through the court process, we are committed uh, to getting justice for each and every one of the victims in these cases and to hold this defendant accountable for his actions. If you commit any crime in our city or in our county, whether you break into a house, whether you rob someone, whether you sexually assault someone, whether you kill someone, we're not going to stop until we find out who did it and we uh, and we arrest someone for that particular crime. And this is a great example of that. This individual has been in our community, walking around our streets for the last 10 years, probably smirking, thinking he got away with this. Well, he didn't. Nancy, earlier we played that clip from Lieutenant Sermondike at the uh, press conference. You could you could hear the emotion in his voice. I noticed he, he had to take a moment to collect himself during the press conference. It, it gives you a sense of the personal interest these officers take in this cold case unit that has been formed is making some inroads to uh, a lot of cases in Cumberland County. Well, Lieutenant Sermondike and his team have done some remarkable things in pursuing these cold case sexual assaults. Um, if there's a new method of testing, Lieutenant Summerndike will lobby to find a way to use it. And the unit, his people, they stay on the cases until there is a resolution. And people, police are asking anyone who may, who believes they may have been a victim or knows someone who may have been a victim of a sexual assault, um, by Mr. Bowen, um, they're asking them to come forward and talk with detectives. In our next story, the Observer's Paul Wolverton reported that the ex-wife of a special forces major has filed a lawsuit that accuses him and his lover of posting embarrassing, quote, revenge porn photos of her online because he did not like paying child support. 
The civil lawsuit appears to be the first of its kind filed in Cumberland County since the state enacted a revenge porn law in 2015. Elizabeth Ann Clark filed a lawsuit against her ex-husband, Adam Matthew Clark, also named as a defendant as Kimberly Ray Barrett, with whom Adam Clark had an affair, according to the lawsuit. Elizabeth and Adam Clark married in 2010. They have two children. The lawsuit contends that Adam Clark and Kimberly Barrett began uh, seeing each other in 2016 when both were at Fort Belvoir. Clark now lives with Barrett in Harnett County, according to Elizabeth Clark's lawyer, Michael Porter, and the couple has a child together. Well, the lawsuit accuses Adam Clark and Barrett of a, quote, coordinated campaign to harass and humiliate the plaintiff because he was unhappy with child support he had to pay his ex-wife. This included placing an advertisement on the Craigslist website with Elizabeth Clark's name and contact information, saying she had sexually transmitted diseases and asking for people to contact her for sexual favors. Also, Elizabeth Clark says that nude photographs of her were posted to various websites. Now, from the other side of the suit, Adam Clark alleges Elizabeth Clark harassed and threatened him and Barrett repeatedly across two years, that she abused over-the-counter medications, that she allowed her father to watch their children while intoxicated, and that she has violated terms of their separation agreement. A stolen vehicle, a three-week-old baby inside, a scary scene outside of a Lumberton home that Fortunately, Nancy had a happy ending. Lumberton police said that um, about 8.54 p.m. on Monday, August 20th, the theft of a pickup was reported outside a home on the 1400 block of Mimosa Street. Inside, briefly unattended, was a three-week-old baby. The mother was taking two small children into the house when somebody took the truck. And with the infant inside, the truck was found abandoned about 10 minutes later in the parking lot of Billy Cox's Grocery and Market on NC-41. But there's more to this story. Yes, there is. Um, A man who was walking through the parking lot saw a window down on the truck and looked inside. And laying in the floorboard was a doll. Only this man took it. um, He thought it was actually a non-responsive infant so he called 911 and robinson county sheriff's office deputies responded and they found the three-week-old still in the car seat and he was unharmed or he or she the three-week-old very good to hear did police find the people they believe stole the pickup oh yes brian hilton harden and alicia k hunt both of lumberton were arrested friday august 24th on kidnapping and larceny charges Interestingly enough, about 30 minutes before this pickup was stolen, police were called to an attempted robbery in the parking lot of the Walmart neighborhood market on Elizabethtown Road. A surveillance photo identified the man as Brian Hilton Harden, and police charged him in that incident. Up next on Crime Time, I wanted to bring you up to date on the case involving Fayetteville car dealer Mike Lowyer. It's been in the news quite often the last couple of years. Lowyer, who is a co-owner of Reed Lowyer Chevrolet on Rayford Road, was charged almost two years ago in South Carolina with molesting a 15-year-old boy during a NASCAR weekend at Darlington Raceway. Now, the criminal court, the criminal case, I should say, is still pending. 
The Fayetteville Observer has appealed a judge's decision to seal an entire civil court case involving Lawyer. On Wednesday, August 22nd, Observer Lawyer John Buchan asked the NC Court of Appeals to order a lower court to redact and release the civil court documents. A concern of Lawyer's defense and Superior Court Judge William Pittman has been that making the documents public would threaten the identity of the minors mentioned. That's why he sealed the entire case. The civil case was quickly settled and sealed. The observer contends that the public has a constitutional right to access court documents and that records can be sealed only under extraordinary circumstances. Buchan also argued before the court that the observer has no intention of releasing the names of the minors. The Court of Appeals typically renders a decision in about three months. Last week on Crime Time, we talked about former Spring Lake resident Chris Watts being charged with killing his wife, Shannon, and their daughters, three-year-old Bella, four-year-old Celeste, in Colorado. Shannon also was pregnant. A funeral service for Shannon and her daughters is to be held Saturday, September 1st in Pinehurst, according to their obituaries. Shannon lived in Moore County and attended Pinecrest High School. The funeral home, Bowles Funeral Home and Crematory, says it plans to live stream the service. The service, as I said earlier, is set for Saturday at 1 p.m. at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in Pinehurst. Chris Watts graduated from Pine Forest High School in 2003. He still has family living in the Spring Lake area. Of course, this was a story that made national news. As we wrap it up from the crime blotter, a jury found Donnell Mario Bratton of Fayetteville and Amani Brown of Hope Mills guilty of bank fraud charges on Thursday, August 23rd. That's according to a release from the Office of the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of North Carolina. In January 2017, Bratton conspired with an unidentified person to deposit stolen and altered checks, totaling more than $47,000 into his account and then withdrawing $37,000. In September 2016, Brown, assisted by an unnamed co-conspirator, deposited stolen and altered checks, totaling $6,700 into his account, and then withdrew $3,900. The two men are scheduled to be sentenced in December. 16-year-old Kalante Deshaun Townsend of Fayetteville is accused of firing a gun inside Cross Creek Mall in June, according to an arrest warrant in the Cumberland County Magistrate's Office. The incident happened June 13th, the warrant said, quote, causing an employee to run in fear of her life. Townsend has pending robbery charges and arrest documents said. A man found dead inside his home last week was murdered, according to Fayetteville Police. The body of 79-year-old Willis Earl Whitfield was found in his home on the 200 block of Plantation Road off Ramsey Street. Fayetteville Cumberland County Crime Stoppers is offering a cash reward of up to $1,000 for information leading to an arrest. Anyone with information is asked to call Detective S. Catlett at 910-818. 2543, or as we always say, Crime Stoppers at 910-483-TIPS. That's 483-8477. And a young father shot a man who attacked him with a knife on Friday, October 20, I'm sorry, Friday, August 24th in the parking lot of the Food Line store on Rose Hill Road in Fayetteville, the police department reported. The attacker survived and was taken to Cape Fear Valley Medical Center where he underwent surgery. The father, 26-year-old Markel White, was not injured. 
The altercation started shortly after 9 p.m. when White was walking out of the store and carrying his two-year-old daughter, says Fayetteville Police Lieutenant Gary Womble. Womble says that White was walking toward his vehicle when a man began following him on foot and yelling expletives at him. White put his daughter in the car, then attempted to get in the driver's seat, and that's when the man ran up to him and swung at him with what detectives believe was a knife in his hand. White then fired a handgun at the man, striking him in the abdomen. Anyone with information that could assist the police in their investigation is asked to contact Detective B. Plez with the Fayetteville Police Department at 910-676-2396 or Crime Stoppers, as Sonny just said, at 910-483-TIPS. That's 483-8477. And they do get a lot of good tips. Yes, they do. Through Crime Stoppers. <laughs> they, they really do. There's, that's going to be interesting to see how that story turns out. Well, Nancy, that's it for episode 30 of Crime Time for Monday, August 27th. We welcome your comments and suggestions for Crime Time. You can reach me, Nancy McCleary, by email at nmccleary, and that's McCleary with two C's, at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at fo underscore McCleary. And you can reach me, Sonny Jones, by email at sjones at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at fo Sonny Jones. No underscore needed for me. Again, thanks so much for listening. Hope you'll tune in next time for the next edition of Crime Time. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.